This is John Halsman, and welcome to Around the World in 20 Minutes, our weekly look at the new and beguiling state of the era that we live in. And welcome from Dubai. The noise you hear outside is a ship leaving the port here in Dubai, where my trusty chief of staff, John Goodnight, and I have been visiting clients all week and had a fascinating time. And I promised I'd do one once a week, and it's the last minute on Sunday, but here I am, ahead of my last meeting, spending time with our community. And I really couldn't let the week go without discussing Emmanuel Macron's insane and utterly counterproductive remarks about France and Europe standing as an independent pole between China and the United States. In other words, it's the old Gaullist dream that Charles de Gaulle thought he saw room for France to remain a superpower through using the EU as the, as the horse to ride, and that they would somehow be equidistant between the feared Russians, or USSR at the time, and the secretly despised, or not so secretly despised, Americans. And this was very much what the plan was, and of course it failed utterly. And having lived in Europe, there's a phrase that some of my Italian female friends use that they call about Italian men insisting. And this is a form of magical thinking, that if you insist something enough, if you say something enough, it becomes true. Magical thinking. And this happens in our field. The neocons, for instance, we still have Ann Applebaum saying she doesn't feel any regret for the Iraq war. Because if she thought about it for a minute and gave way on the point that maybe the Iraq war didn't go so well, maybe killing a quarter million people to no end, spending a trillion hard-earned American dollars, and leaving Iran more powerful than Iraq in the Gulf that I happen to be sitting in right now, uh, was not a good idea. If she admitted she was wrong about the fundamental foreign policy act of our age, along with people like David Frum and Bill Kristol and Mr. Kagan, if they admitted they were wrong, they wouldn't be listened to anymore. So they can't give way on reality. So what do they do? They insist it away. They say nothing went wrong in the, in, in the face of all evidence to the contrary. And Italian men do this about their social behavior. They insist that whatever they did was right and proper, even if all the facts say otherwise, because if they were to give way on this and allow reality into the argument, they might have to reevaluate their lives, and that they don't want to do. And this is true of the French and the French political elite more than anyone else in the world. And so I thought today I would bluntly and quickly, because I have to go catch my last meeting, explain reality to the French, because as much as they insist, it does exist. And if you ignore it, you look ridiculous, which is what President Macron and indeed his whole country managed to do in the last week. Now, what do I mean by this? Let's talk in specifics. The French are illiterate in three ways and are ignoring reality in three ways. Economically, in terms of their own internal system, their pension reform particularly, they are economically illiterate. They are politically illiterate in terms of the power of the European Union. This is the horse that they're always going to ride to be this third pole of power. And they're geostrategically illiterate because they don't understand the power of the Chinese and the United States vis-a-vis -vis Europe. So they're illiterate in the three basic ways you can be looking at power. I've read people like my colleague Gideon Ratchman who say what Macron was describing was an inter interesting intellectual construct, but he shouldn't have said it. It's not interesting. And this is where our lazy thinking over the last decades has really done us a world of hurt. It's not interesting to say something that cannot happen. Realism is about morally seeing the world as it is warts and all and then trying to make it better from that position. If you don't see the world as it is correctly, inevitably you will fail. 
and the French haven't been seeing reality for generations now. So let me explain reality to them. And this is where Gideon is absolutely wrong. It's not an interesting intellectual construct to insist away reality. It's dangerous, stupid, and morally unserious. So what do I mean by this? Well, let's just start with reality. And French people, listen to me. The reality is this. The modern safety nets that were created in the West were created to tide you over the last few years of your life. And this is true from Otto von Bismarck setting up really the first modern social insurance system in Wilhelmine, Germany, through the United States under Franklin Roosevelt doing the same. And the thinking was this. People are going to live to be about 62, 63 years old. And so from 60 on, as they've been working on farms and are exhausted, or in coal mines or in factories, they've done physical labor in the lower middle class and lower class, and they need help because their bodies are played out for the last couple of years of their life. And the federal government, whatever, whichever one it is, should have a role in seeing to this mini retirement before they die at about the age of 63. And that's how the modern system was set up. Now, what's happened since then, French people, which you run from the room, covering your ears, kicking and screaming, not acknowledging reality that you're going to have to work longer, which for the French is some sort of capital crime. Uh, to normal ears, this sounds absolutely insane. The French are complaining and demonstrating in the millions about the retirement age being raised two years, two years from about 62 to 64, which is President Macron rightly says, still makes France the outlier. This is the lowest age. The ages in other countries, the United States, it's about 67. In Italy, it's 67. And guess what? It's going to go up to 70 for people of my age, at least. Why? Well, most of us don't work on farms, in coal mines, or in factories anymore. We're not physically tapped out. And any French person in their 50s shuffling along with the cane is merely living off the state. This is lazy, unserious, and immoral. Teachers that retire in Italy, and I know some in their 50s, shame on them. They're sucking at the tit of the state. They are adding no value. They are takers. They are not givers. And laziness has become a way of life. Because guess what? The fallacy in the argument, the economic illiteracy, where people are protesting in the street, is an obvious one. It's a math number, and it's not in debate. People live longer than 62 or 63 now. They live to be 80. So instead of retirement paying for three years of your life when you're exhausted from working on a farm, it pays for the last 20 years of your life. Not three years, but 20 years of your life because people are dying at about the age of 80 in the West. So whether you like it or not, we have to find a way as grown-ups to pay for those extra 17 years. It's great that people live longer. Hurrah that we don't die exhausted at 62 or 63, but manage to make it to around 80 now. This is a wonderful step forward for society, and I think it's a great thing. I'm not dystopian about this. I don't want to take old people and put them on an island somewhere. What I want to do is be serious in a way the French have not been for generations now. And it's time, it's past time, we explain reality to the French. They're going to live, your people are going to live to be 80. So they can't sit outside playing bull on the state for the next 20 years. It has to be paid for. And it is bankrupting the French state where taxes are already the highest in the world 
well over 50%, somewhere in the neighborhood of 55%. And what does this mean? It means a number of things the French would run, kicking and screaming from the room, insisting that I'm wrong because they don't want to hear reality. Reality is we're all going to have to work longer. Our benefits are going to be smaller. We're going to have to work longer. And this is going to have to be enshrined in law or we will bankrupt the system because it didn't count on people, not its fault, living to be 80. It counted on them living to be 63. Until we grasp this basic reality, all the French are doing is showing they are utterly unserious, economically illiterate, socially lazy and decadent. And why would anyone invest a copeck here when they don't understand that we don't die at 63 anymore? Nobody makes this obvious argument because it's so obvious. No one wants to look at it. Instead, like Italian men, they want to insist away their bad behavior. So that's the economic reality I have to explain to the French. Whether they like it or not, it remains true. The second reality is the only way that this gallless third pole of power works in the world, the only way this works in the world, is if Europe follows the French lead. You could figure out gallless foreign policy for 20 years under the general if you substitute the word Europe for France. And this worked for a long time, that after World War II, Germany was so morally stigmatized that they were more than willing to be the economic motor that brought Europe back into the game and that the French could manage the strategic, meaning the military end of things and the political end of things, and the Germans would dutifully follow. And this worked wonderfully. And so de Gaulle could, with some sense, say, we will, be, we will ride Europe to be the horse that brings us back to great power status. It ultimately failed for the general but at least it makes some sense. It doesn't make some sense now. The Germans running Germany had nothing to do with the Holocaust, had nothing to do with World War II, and are well used to being the economically dominant force in Europe. Moreover, France does not dominate the other countries. There are a series of great powers in Europe. The top two are France and Germany, and then beneath them, Poland, Italy, and Spain. So there are five great powers, two central ones, the Franco-German motor, but these three other countries. So power has diffused within Europe as time has gone on. So the French have to gather more than just the Germans. So two things have failed here. One, the Germans are no longer content to be Robin to France's Batman. Why should they be when they're economically the utterly dominant power within Europe? What they want is what happens. And the reason that, that Europe drifted toward neutralism under the Merkel era has nothing to do with French Gaulism and everything to do with the German economic model. The model was simple. Cheap Russian energy inputs, high-end products, cars and petrochemicals, engineering products that you then sell to China. Well, right now, the German economic model is under peril two ways, both at the end, at the beginning, the inputs with Russian gas and, and oil, and the outputs to China. It's under vast political risk, and you've watched them very quietly tiptoe back into the Atlantic Alliance. Suddenly, NATO isn't brain dead, as President Macron would wish and insist is the case, but is absolutely essential with Russia menacing to the east, China beginning to dominate even farther east. And given this reality, Germany isn't doing what the French are saying and going along with a more autonomous European defense and foreign policy. Rather, you see the foreign policy fragmenting with the Eastern Europeans desperate for more American involvement, as President Duda made clear in Poland just the other day, not less American involvement because they're, they're fearful and they know that when it comes to it, NATO is America. 
And without American involvement, they don't want to be left to the tender mercies of the Russians, only defended by Inspector Clouseau and the French. They don't want this to happen. And so they are very Atlanticist. And Poland is a great power within Europe, like it or not. Italy, under Maloney, following in Draghi's footsteps, much more Atlanticist than before. And even Schultz, with a very pro-Russian SPD, moving back step by step, grudgingly not liking it, but within the Atlantic camp. So the French are not dominating the whole of Europe because Germany no longer is content to be Robin. There are multiple powers within Europe, and the attack in Ukraine has actually made the efficacy for NATO blatantly obvious to everyone. It's an Atlanticist organization, so the French, the French cannot muster the rest of Europe to follow them in their Gaullist footsteps. So right there, Macron can't have his extra pole of power because nobody wants to leave the umbrella of the United States. Whatever they say, whether they love or hate America, its defense is real and apparent. And the French defense is not. The French army is good. It's perfectly good. It can do everything on the spectrum from high-end war fighting to low-end peacekeeping. But that's it in Europe. It's the only military on the continent that can do that. All the rest of them fulfill niche roles. And the spending of the rest is a joke. The German spending for all this talk about Zeitenwende is 1.5%. My high school football team could take the German army. It's time we were serious. When I read people like Andrew Michta, another guy insisting America can do everything in a fantasy land, assuming that somehow the Europeans need to rearm now, I have 25 years worth of data points that they're not going to rearm because they haven't. They haven't rearmed and there's no sign that they are rearming. Empirical data, real world data shows they will not do it. Sometimes the answer is no. And this leads me to the third point, that even if you accepted that the French could somehow brainwash politically the Germans into obedience, and that's a generation out of date, and that Italy doesn't exist, that Eastern Europe would somehow cower in the face of Macron's brilliance, none of this is real. It's already a dead letter, but assume I'm wrong about all that, all that then it still doesn't work because the EU is no longer in the same league for superpower status as are the United States and China. Yes, the EU is a great power like the UK Anglosphere, like India, like Japan, like Russia. It's one of the five great powers and then the regional powers are beneath. That's all true, but it's not a superpower like the United States and China. Why? There are three basic characteristics of power, and these don't change and haven't changed since Athenian times, and they can't be insisted, and they can't be wished away. So let me, for a third time, explain reality to the French, and maybe this will permeate their thick skulls, and they will choose to live in the land of the living. Economic power is one, military power is another, and lastly, you need a coherent foreign policy emanating from whatever power you have. The EU has none of these things, none of them. Economically, over the last 20 years, and this is never commented upon, I'm amazed this doesn't come up, assume that an advanced industrial country should grow at about 2% to be a vibrant going concern in an advanced industrial way. Europe has on occasion met the 2% number, but it's always been an anomaly like out of COVID. In general, it's been nowhere near the 2% number. Europe is almost a percentage point over the last generation less vibrant than the dynamic American economy and certainly less vibrant than the ascending Chinese economy. So this is an economically sclerotic area full of old people. As was put by the Chinese, the Europeans are a museum. China is a threat. 
and the United States is an idea. And this is this is one of mine. The Europeans are a museum. The Chinese are a threat, and the United States is an idea still. And the reason the United States remains an idea beyond its soft power, which is still preeminent, its liquid banking system and financial system, which makes it the envy of the world, the single best market, and I don't count purchasing power parity per capita, China's rising, but certainly hasn't caught up, and it's going to get old before it gets rich. But the dynamism of the American economy sets it entirely apart from the sclerosis of the daycare center that is Europe. It will not grow at 2%. Italy, for instance, has a GDP only slightly greater than it was before it joined the euro. This is a generation that has utterly been lost. They've done nothing. They've advanced in no way. Germany, now its economic model, as I said, has been called into question. The French work very hard when they work, but they work so much less, about 45 days less than America. They're not, as I say when I meet them, 45 days smarter than the rest of us. So the economic sclerosis that has hit Europe, and my data points are the last 20 years. Have a look at the numbers. Nowhere near as dynamic as the United States, let alone an emerging market like China. So it's economically sclerotic. The future is well behind it. Demography is killing it. Southern Europe is nowhere near the replacement numbers. And somehow you have to pay for these six-week holidays going forward, and there aren't going to be enough people. So there's that. Economically, this is a dead letter, okay? For all that it's a big market, educated citizenry, it's not going to grow at more than about 1%. So this is a reality. It's not going to be a superpower. Secondly, I've already explained militarily, these are places that my high school football team could take, with the exception of the French, and then countries that can do niche things. The Dutch Navy is very good. There are various Italian commando troops that are very good. But when you add it all together, the only full-spectrum military is the French. All the rest of them are spending money at a shamefully low rate, content to be free riders on the United States. And the reason I can tell is I have 30 years' worth of data points. They're not going to spend what would be about 3% to catch up to the United States. They simply aren't. They like their lifestyle too much. Europeans are lotus eaters, whether they like it or not. So a pathetic under-resourced military, a sclerotic economy, and absolutely no commonality on foreign policy. This is where I make a living. The differences between German foreign policy, French foreign policy, Italian foreign policy, and they just had the British leave the European Union. I mean, if California left the United States, there would be no end of articles about this is the end of America as we know it. And Britain, which has London, the chief financial center of Europe, uh, an ongoing military that really works like the French one and very good military intelligence like the French one. And they've up and left because they don't think it's the future. The dirty secret is Europe is the past that everybody knows except the French. So now let's look at De Gaulle's or the De Gaulle statement through channel through Macron in a serious way. This is wrong three ways. The French people, though not Macron, are wrong because people don't die at 63. They live to be 80. Hence, the French are economically illiterate and, in fact, by being on the streets, show no signs of changing. Secondly, politically, they are illiterate because they can't possibly dominate Europe in the way de Gaulle tried in a, in a realistic way. Now, several generations have passed. The Germans are not going to go along being second banana, let alone the Eastern Europeans giving up their Atlantic tilt let alone Poland and Spain and Italy ceasing to exist. They simply can't move those people to be mesmerized by the brilliance of Emmanuel Macron. And only that the French sound pathetic talking about this. Everyone's laughing at them, and it's time we explain why. Reality 
and facts are stubborn things. And then lastly, there's nothing like a common foreign policy in Europe on anything. We couldn't get 27 people I know to agree on a common ice cream flavor, let alone a foreign policy. And the idea that anyone who knows anything about German foreign policy, Italian foreign policy, French foreign policy, Polish and Eastern European foreign policy, and Spanish foreign policy knows they just don't jibe in any way at all. So economically illiterate, politically illiterate, and geopolitically illiterate. That is the reality, France. It's time for you to make grown-up decisions and not insist away the real world that actually exists. You're fooling no one in the end. This is true of Italian male insisters. You're fooling no one but yourselves. I really enjoyed doing this, explaining reality to the French. Uh, thank you for listening as ever to Around the World in 20 Minutes. I'll be back in the office late next week, and so we've kept to our glorious schedule. For those of you who haven't subscribed yet, please do. We've been overwhelmed by the number of subscriptions and are very, very grateful that we're a booming community. And for those of you who have subscribed, please do give. We put an awful lot of love, John Goodnight, my trusted chief of staff, and I into these, and all we're asking for this cutting-edge analysis is $70 a year or $7 a month. For $70 a year, we'll keep explaining reality to the rest of the world. Have a great day, and I'm off to my meeting in Dubai.